Today, we are going to be considering the gospel lesson from Luke. And uh, rather than have you stand as we go through that, I'm just going to read portions of it and go through there. And it begins, And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was one with authority. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one with authority, both your words and your actions, and with everything in our lives. You have the authority, all authority, in heaven and on earth. And we pray that you would bless us now as we hear your word. May it be applied to our lives. May it change us forever. And we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There are so many people that when they would have heard this whole passage, especially the part about the fact that Jesus cast out a demon, they would immediately react and say, well, demons aren't real. There's no such thing as the devil. That's all made up. There are a bunch of stories that you Christians have come up with. And we don't have to base anything upon old myths and fairy tales. But today, I, I think that Perhaps in this congregation, many, if not all of you, have wrestled with this issue, not so much maybe of demons, but with the subject of evil. You have felt guilty at times because you have sinned against a holy God, and you know it to be true. There are other things that happen that bother you. You see the sin in this world but we look at what Jesus was doing. Jesus was teaching in that synagogue on the Sabbath. And notice the reaction of the people. They were amazed at his teaching for his message was one with authority. If we were to sit down and read everything that Jesus said, his sermons, his visits with people, his instructions to his followers, we might be similar in our reaction as well. We might be amazed, astounded, in awe. When, when the temple guards were sent to arrest Jesus in another passage, they heard Jesus teach, and they returned empty-handed. They didn't bring Jesus back to the, the leaders of the temple, and they were questioned, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, no one has ever taught like that man. In verse 36, it's, what is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. That word authority seems to ring through every, pass, every part of this passage. It's the authority that Jesus said that he himself had when he said that he was the very Son of God. And his Father acknowledged that. This is my son, my beloved one. Listen to him. And this was said both at his baptism and also on the Mount of Transfiguration. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So when Jesus gave a message, it wasn't just a simple, uh, nice story that he taught. In fact, all of the things that Jesus said were with authority. 
We have to listen to him. <laughs> and not just listen with our ears and with our hearts, but we have to listen to him with our obedience and what he says. How different this is from what many people uh, listen to on a daily or weekly basis from many different pulpits and over radios and TVs. People that stand up and preach, and you know, what are they preaching? And I say this not to condemn everybody, but I, you've heard enough of it, I'm sure, too. Giving opinions, political speeches sometimes. People that are, are so interested in entertaining people with their bright and witty comments, but never use the authority that's given to them. That authority is the Word of God. That's what can change the hearts and lives of people. Not my opinions. They don't really count all that much anymore, if they ever did. But you know, this sermon was interrupted. At the very end of it, it seems, a man burst into the synagogue, and we find that a little bit more in detail with the Gospel of Mark. In the synagogue, the sanctuary, much like what we have here, it says that there was a man possessed by a spirit with an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. What business do we have with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands us, the unclean spirits, and they come out. The report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. What an, an encounter with evil right within the synagogue, the church of its day. The demon shouting out, let us alone. What business do we have with you? The Holy One of God. <laughs> Jesus did not engage this demon in a conversation and in trying to explain to him anything. He didn't have to. Who was in charge? It was just one not the demon, not Satan. Sometimes people make a mistake of thinking that Jesus and Satan are co-equals. That's not true. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh. Satan is way down here. Satan is a fallen angel. We have other angels in the Bible that we know by name, not very many of them, for all the myriads of angels that there are, Gabriel and Michael, we know their names. If you want to say someone equal to Satan, it's probably Gabriel or Michael. But looking at this passage, Jesus simply gave a command, be quiet, come out of him. <laughs> and immediately the demon threw the man on the ground and left the man. 
Most of you, I imagine maybe all of you, have never met a demon. Modern unbelief considers that, that there are no such things as demons, and we can't do much about them if there were. William Arndt, one of the Lutheran commentators that I really appreciate, uh, gave some reasons why people don't want to believe in a demon, other than the fact that they've not met one. He says that demon possession is a delusion, that demon possession is simply mental illness or insanity, or Jesus was able to cure people not because he had the authority to do it, but rather because of his personal magnetism, his hypnotic powers, or perhaps this, that Jesus himself shared the superstition of his countrymen. He didn't know any better. Or at worst, he was a liar and said that there was a demon, but in fact, he knew differently. Now, if any one of those might be true, where does that leave us? It leaves us with a one that we call our savior, who was a liar, a deceiver, one who didn't know what he was doing. I would say this, that those who deny what the scripture have to say are themselves deceived. All these miracles that people watched and experienced, whether it be healing the blind, the lame, the deaf, the diseased people with leprosy and other illnesses, this was not some kind of show or trickery. It was with the authority that God had on earth. And he demonstrated that over and over again. The major enemy that Jesus faced was the force of evil, personified in the person of Satan, or Lucifer as he is sometimes called. The demons are mentioned 23 times in the Gospel of Luke. Who will win? Who will win? Will it be Satan or God? <laughs> and then you might say, but wait a minute, I don't know about this demon stuff. I want us to go a step further and just ask, is there evil in our world today? That doesn't take a lot of thinking, does it? When we think about wars and persecution, and then <laughs> we can't help it, every night we turn the television on to watch the evening news. Wake up in the morning, we turn the news on again, and what happens? More murders, more carjackings, more robberies, more assaults. And then the, the policemen that were murdered, as well as the paramedic in Burnsville. Is there evil? We know that there is. C.S. Lewis, the great uh, author and interpreter of a lot of things, had a very good observation. He said that Satan would have us do one of two things, either bow down and worship him, such as those who are today the Satanists and their terrible rituals. This actually happens I know I, I think many of you know, if not all of you, that I was an army chaplain for many years. And it just sickens me that today there's more of a opportunity for people who are Satanists to worship in the military. 
This isn't a lot going on, but it's there. And one of the chaplains wrote uh, on our chaplain's page just in the last month how proud he was that he could make sure that that group was able to worship, as it were. But the other reaction that C.S. Lewis talked about is that Satan would have us believe that he is not real. He's just a joke, uh, dressed up in some kind of costume that's red with a long forked tail and horns and carrying a pitchfork. But Satan is real. There's no doubt about it. That he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's an angel of light. He comes and would rob us of any joy that we might have. He is one that would take us away from our trust and belief in the Bible. He would distort it and twist it until it's, there's nothing left in it. I would add that for many of us today, we have to be very careful that we don't become so interested in demons, in witchcraft or sorcery or movies or books about that subject that it would take us away from Jesus. And I'm afraid that's maybe more the danger today than for many in America than anything else. I've heard so many speakers who claim to be authorities on demons, and I've read books and articles about the subject, and truthfully, I haven't really found hardly any that are 100% accurate, and some are way off base. To see demons under every rock is not true. When I first started out as a young student pastor out in Wisconsin, there was a, a group not too far from our little country church that had very dangerous experiences in teaching. They were said to be able to pick demons out of the air with their fingers. <laughs> and one of the leaders in that group, a woman, claimed that she could take a demon and put it in the closet and lock the door. They had no idea what they were dealing with. To encounter demonic activity is probably the most frightening, scary thing that you would ever, ever want to have. And you wouldn't want to have it if it was real in your life. To ignore the presence of evil is also extremely dangerous. There is this increasing immorality within our world. And yes, people will love darkness rather than light. They will call good evil and evil good. All of these are predicted by Jesus himself, and it's true. But how are we to deal with this evil? Well, I think we're given many different things in the scripture, but number one, I think, is the word of God that we have to believe that it's the inspired and errant word, the Holy Bible, and it's good to say that you believe it, it's good to read it and good to study it, but it has to be applied within our lives as well. We have to experience this, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I shared that with a lady many, many years ago who was under, I think, satanic attack so worried, so fearful. And I said to her, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
And it's just like a cloud lifted from her. The second thing, though, is prayer. We ask God for wisdom to discern truth from error. How do you want me to live, God? What am I to do? And then when we're serious about praying, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth listens and acts. The disciples were given an opportunity to go out and preach the word of God. And as they went, they had authority over demons and they were able to heal the sick. They're wonderful things. And they came back, they were so excited because the demons even were underneath their control, as it were. Jesus responded, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see what happens when we get our minds off and hearts and eyes and minds off of Jesus and start thinking about these other things in the world. We miss the point. Think about heaven. Think about the fact that God has redeemed you, <clears throat> a lost and condemned creature, that he's your savior. That's what you should rejoice in. And then the Holy Spirit, I would also add here, he's our counselor, our helper. He is true God as well. Scripture says that we're to keep in step with this Holy Spirit, not telling God what to do, but seeking his will and to be obedient to his word. Above all, this Jesus we sing about, we talk about, must be our savior our Lord. And each and every day, praying, Lord, I want to know more of you. I want to have you control my life. I want you to be honored in all that I say and do. Then, if that happens, it'll be like that last verse in this text. And what does it say again? And the report went about, about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. You cannot be silent when you know Jesus. Doesn't mean that you need to be a preacher up in the pulpit, but it needs to come out of your life to give that encouraging word to those that are, are sorrowful, those that are scared, those that are going through other problems in life. Jesus loves you, and you can all say that from your heart. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon these words now. Help us to believe them, to put our trust and our hope in you, in all that you've said, and all that you've done. And we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.